This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal, who has pledged that he's going to cover this week's politics one centimeter as a to- at a time. Is that right, Bill? You know, you can't make it up, right, if a liberal progressive candidate gets in. What's the sort of one thing to signal to his base that he really does want to turn America into a European country? The metric system. It's been such a cliche. Next Esperanto will be the next thing. He's, the next thing. It's such a cliche, almost, of kind of, quote, progressive thought, a certain kind of rationalizing mm-hmm. it all. And then he gets up and does it with a straight face. I think it's, a, it's the centerpiece of his campaign, isn't it? We don't need a politician, Bill. We need a leader. L-I-T-E-R. That's what you need to know. That's good. That's good. I'm I'm always meter media. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Don't judge a man until you've watched walked point you know 1.6 kilometers in his shoes. That's what I say. You're really you're really revved up on the on the on the metrics. Well, just because. Well, will Hillary dare? You know. Ah. Dare denounce, not denounce him, but dare differ with, from him uh, on this issue? That, that's, a, that's a sort of interesting question, isn't it? Maybe this will become like progressive orthodoxy in about two weeks, and then, and then it will be dangerous to say, wait a second, we kind of like our old, uh, our old feet and inches and miles. And, well, this so. is to me, for, the, for, for a typical person, I think they see it this way. This is yet another one of those things that the government tries to foist on you like dollar coins or biking to work that Americans just aren't going to do. We're not going to buy it, and so they can do what they want. But I will say, I saw something I never thought I would see, Bill. That you know, they told me if I voted for Mitt Romney, that women would be smeared in the press for their political connections, and they were right. Did you see the attack on Marco Rubio's wife in the New York Times? I, I just saw the headline, and I guess she's had some parking tickets, and <laughs> not supposed to disqualify Marco Rubio from being president because. You know, Hillary Clinton's husband has been an exemplar of good behavior, <laughs> but that you're not even allowed to mention. Of course, neither of the Clintons has driven a car in 25 years with Secret mm-hmm. Service protection, Secret Service driving them around for security reasons. So Let me interrupt for have, a second. They don't have the problems of being a mom with four kids who's got to, you know, run right. into the store and park somewhere or maybe does drive, you know, isn't, isn't the greatest driver in the world because she's a little distracted and stuff. But, but this is a very important New York Times story and really a contribution to our national public discourse. Let me read the actual headline because I read it and I couldn't believe it. Marco Rubio and his wife cited 17 times for traffic infractions. And then if you bother to read long enough, you find out four of them involve the possible president of the United States. The other 13 is why I, I can't, can't how explain to me, Bill, how it can be the case that I'm supposed to care about a political spouse's tickets, but I'm not supposed to care about a political spouse taking tens of millions of dollars from foreign regimes while his wife is secretary of state. I, Cause that's the New York times position. Yeah, it is the New York Times I mean, position. I think what's interesting about it is they must be scared of Rubio. I mean, this is such a farcical stretch. I mean, of course, they do this with everyone. Mitt Romney is a, was a bully in high school, allegedly. Right. But 
as you say, this is more about Mrs. Rubio than about uh, Marco Rubio, and it's who cares anyway, and it proves nothing about anything, and um, it's really is astonishing. But I think there's a little panic on the left. I mean, Hillary Clinton is now underwater at a couple of polls or unfavorables, higher than a favorable rating. She's not viewed as likable or trustworthy. They're sort of stuck with her. They don't have the nerve to quite turn on her and say, could we get a better candidate? But they know that it's hard to really, it's going to be hard to sell her. So they're beginning, what is this now, 18 months still ahead of the election, 16 months ahead, something like that, to try to destroy the Republican challengers. And uh, it was a particularly bad week for Hillary Clinton. And this is the question I asked uh, Steve Hayes in a podcast earlier this week, which is still available, by the way, at weeklystandard.com on the podcast page. And that is, for a long time, we heard conversation, and you suggested, perhaps, that Hillary Clinton was kind of disconnected from events. In other words, it didn't matter what she did. The people who supported her were just focusing on what she stands for in their minds, not what she's actually done in office or the scandals. And it seems like this week, the reality of her behavior finally somehow latched on to the, you know, the Hindenburg balloon of her political standing. Yeah, I mean, I sort of thought it would. Uh, I was talking with Steve about this myself, and he sort of thought it would. He, he was more confident. I was a little getting nervous, really, just that, you know, maybe at some point one creates this kind of myth around oneself, and people see in you what they want to see in you, and especially in her case, the first woman president, uh, the, the woman who put up with her husband and nonetheless fought through it, et cetera, et cetera. And they just were going to ignore actual reporting about how she behaved as Secretary of State, the incredible private email server, the incredible. Clinton Foundation uh, ethical questions that are raised, the total stonewalling of the media in every respect. Um, and, and I do think, luckily, I mean, despite the media's relative, some of the media's relative disinterest in following some of these stories, nonetheless, voters have a sense that, gee, this is kind of problematic. And for her to be uh, underwater, to, for, to have a higher unfavorable than favorable rating, uh, at this stage in the race, when no one's run a negative ad against her, remember, uh, we're not into the back and forth that usually does drive people's negatives up. Usually at this stage of the race, most candidates will have some edge favorability, especially as in Hillary Clinton's case, where we know she did have a big edge. She was up like 20 points when she left as Secretary of State. It just tells me that the more people see her, the more questions get raised, the more they're reminded of past problems. I still think she's much more vulnerable than people realize in a Democratic primary if someone's seriously run against her. Uh, but that is the question. You can't beat somebody with nobody. And uh, you, that's, to me, this her ultimate salvation. I mean, we were mocking Link Chafee. No one ever says president and Link Chafee in the same sentence, that's unless you're sure. using the phrase never going to be. The same with Bernie Sanders and uh, I, I think Martin O'Malley, who seems to be in single digits in Maryland, his own state where he was mayor and governor. Do, do you see a, a, a uh, Democratic way out for their party on the current bench, or do you think they have to go somewhere else if Hillary implodes? Yeah, we've discussed this once or twice. I guess I think that Sanders of the current field is the one who could take off in the way Gene McCarthy took off in 67, 68 as a kind of standard bearer who probably won't be the nominee, almost certainly won't be the nominee, but can become an expression of discontent with the establishment choice. And then the question is, is there someone who gets in who's more credible? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, I've thought, 
could do it, but they've just dissolved her. The draft warrant committee, maybe she's serious about not running. I think Joe Biden, honestly, though, would be a credible candidate. He appeals to the entire Democratic base. And insofar as Hillary, the rap on Hillary is that she's totally disconnected with reality and the incredible lavishness of the lifestyle and the foundation and all that. Joe Biden's a regular guy, and obviously the recent tragedy about his son is, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he's not going to focus on this for a month or two as he goes through his uh, the grieving, obviously, but nonetheless, it's going to increase sympathy with him, as it should. And, um, you know, he's sort of an impressive family man, and I, I kind of think there would be, you, at some point, some of Democrats might look up two, three, four months from now and say, well, why exactly are we for Hillary Clinton rather than Joe Biden? Hasn't Joe Biden actually done as much more in his career? And if, you're, if you have, have that point of view, aren't you more comfortable maybe with just going with Biden than with the Clinton, with Hillary and all the baggage? Now, the big answer to that, I said this to a Democrat the other day, who said, hey, there's a, you're missing one big thing. Hillary Clinton's a woman. And that is hugely important to a pretty good chunk of the Democratic electorate. And that will overcome a huge number of problems. And that's just an interesting question about how true that is. Uh, yeah, and uh, but the, if but if your theory is that you have to build the entire Barack Obama coalition to retake the White House, that's just one part of the coalition. If she can't get any more of the coalition, you know, where do you go? And that's that's why I go back to this. And I want to frame the question this way: You're a Democrat, you maybe you're a money person, and you're looking down the road. What is more likely in the next 12 months? A, more, ever more embarrassing stories about the Clintons taking money from unsavory people, lying about it. You know, the story this weekend uh, from Sweden, Bill, I think is very damaging because it's the kind of story that is simple to understand and involves hiding $26 million. Are you going to have more of that or are you going to have Hillary finding ways to repair her reputation when it comes to honesty and trustworthiness, which is more likely to happen? I think you got to bet that more bad news is far more likely than unexpected good news. I would think so, and she'll try to negate this the way she did this week by giving speeches where she endorses various liberal policies and shibboleths about Republicans trying to deny minorities the vote, and she'll be a champion for that. And that will go a little bit of the way, but A, every Democrat's going to agree with her on that. So what she's proving she's willing to carry the liberal banner, but so is O'Malley and Sanders, and if they were running Biden or Kerry or Elizabeth Warren or, or many others, Al Gore. So I don't quite know why that's distinctive. And you and I discussed this on the podcast, I think, at the beginning of the week. I mean, repairing the trustworthiness and likability numbers is much harder. You can't really do that by giving a speech where you say that I agree with liberals on policy A or issue B. And so what personally are we going to learn about Hillary Clinton that's going to help her over the next year? Now, you could learn things. They'll certainly market the heck out of her being a good mom and a good grandmother and, you know, uh, other sort of personal attributes of hers. I don't know how far those will go. It'll be interesting to see how they try to play this on, on Saturday. I mean, do they just hunker down and say, you know what, we can live with these numbers, these these somewhat negative favorability and, and trustworthiness and likability numbers, if we just put the Obama coalition back together on policy grounds and demonize all the Republicans and make each of them look not quite up to it or a little shadier than we thought, as you were just saying. Uh, Mrs. Rubio got some tickets, and uh, and 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 maybe they think they can muscle through with that. I, I think it's problematic, though, and I, I do wonder what the moment is three months from now, five months from now, where an awful lot of Democrats look up, you know, before the filing deadlines right. for the Democratic primaries and say, 
geez, wait a second, are we really riding this horse all the way to Election Day of November 2016? We've got some breaking news. The New York Times is reporting that uh, Hillary Clinton's personal limo driver has three times as many tickets as Bill Clinton's personal limo driver. So that'll be out there in the environment as well. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for helping us wrap up the week. Hey, thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.